Rest in peace, Andrew Battle of Mente. This is It Was a Thing on TV. Punisher! Control! Tell me before I change my mind! I give you Super Train! Episode 332, submission number 2147, The Joker's Wild, 1990. The Joker's Wild 1990 aired in syndication from September 10th, 1990 to March 8th, 1991. Welcome back to the game where knowledge is king and Lady Luck is queen. It's the return of the Joker's Wild. Now, here's your host, Pat Finn. Hi. Welcome. It's great to have you here, and great to have you watching at home once again. Welcome to the Joker's Wild. If you are any sort of level of game show aficionado, you know the story. Jack Barry got caught doing some really illegal stuff in the 50s regarding fixing game shows and was all but blackballed from the industry. But in the late 60s and early 70s, he began developing a quiz show that added an element of luck to his standard trivia formula. This would come into play as Alan Ludden hosted the pilot of a show called The Joker's Wild, which featured, among other things, a celebrity panel delivering questions. It did not go over well. After some retooling, CBS did buy into The Joker's Wild and aired it for three seasons from 1972 to 1975, after which it was canceled. Until it came back in syndication after another slight retooling and some reruns gained positive buzz in the L.A. area. This one would shoot Jack Barry and Dan Enright to a renewed modicum of success. 
leading to a legendary game show dynasty that would give us bullseye, play the percentages, bumper stumpers, tic-tac-toe, among others. And with success breeds, I don't know if you want to call it controversy, but Barry then writes Dapper Richard S. Klein wanted to strike out on his own. So he and Jack's two sons, John and Doug, struck out on their own and formed a new company called Klein and Friends. Klein and Friends was responsible for, among other things, break the bank, and win, lose, or draw. But they would have a chance to improve upon their father's legacy, and by their father I of course mean John and Doug's father, Jack Berry, as they would develop a new version of one of Jack Berry's most prized creations. That, of course, would be The Joker's Wild. In 1989, Klein... John Barry and Doug Barry developed The Joker's Wild, a new version of the original format, with then-San Francisco weatherman Pat Finn as host. Now, he had not hosted a game show before this one, and as we said in reference to John Davidson in Time Machine, he looked like it. John and Doug Barry believed in him to the point where they suggest that he wear a pair of glasses to make him look intelligent, because this was supposed to be, among other things, first and foremost, a hard quiz. Like, remember that Jeopardy pretty much spelt the end of Tic-Tac-Toe and the Joker's Wild in the 80s? Yeah. This was supposed to be the reverse effect. Oh, now this is a serious game show. Now this is a serious game show. Yes. But hold on a second, Chico. Before we talk more about this show, you neglected to mention one show from Klein and Friends. I forget. Oh, what what did I forget? You forgot to mention Strike It Rich. How could I have forgotten to mention Strike It Rich? So you know what that means. No bandit, no bandit. Ugh. The things I forget. Anyway. Hey, that was their attempt at Big Puck's No Whammies on Strike It Rich. No bandit, no bandit. And spoiler, no, that did not work. Nobody cared about No Bandit, No Bandit. No Bandit? No. No Bandit. Bandit was a second rate whammy. True. Hold on a second. I think somebody's coming in the room. I want to hear what the Whammy has to say about the bandit. All right, Whammy, what do you have to say about the bandit? No bandit, no bandit. <laughs> this doesn't roll at the time like no whammies. Why do people not want whammies? I'm a good guy. Yeah, hey. I, I know you're a good guy. I've seen your Match.com profile. Don't ask me how. Match.com, you said? Yeah. Oh, my face is getting out there. I only put my face on Grinder. <laughs> Look, Whammy, what you do with your personal time is your own business. Now, people, you won't see this, but if me, 
and Chico are looking at the whammy, and his face is getting obscured by Tony Curtis in the background on Hollywood Babylon. Oh. I am Tony Curtis. We're going to talk about the whammy's dating life. Does he really have a profile on Grindr and Match.com and eHarmony and Bumble? And ChristianMingle.com. I'm Tony Curtis. And OnlyFans.com. Oh. You don't have to be lonely at WhammysOnly.com. I'm Tony Curtis. Hey, I like FarmersOnly.com. I've sown my seeds there a few times, if you know what I mean. Wait, Come on, everybody! <laughs> All right, get out of here, Wayne. Okay, yeah, yeah, we need to have a serious conversation about how Pat Finn looked like John Davidson in Time Machine. Wait, who did you say he looked like on Time Machine? I said he looked like... I need to rebut here because, I'm sorry, Pat Finn looked nothing like uh, that guy on Joker's Wild. Pat Finn looked like, I'm sorry, with all due respect, a, a dorky weatherman. And, and John Davidson, he's got some sweet-ass hair, but he doesn't come across as dorky. Yeah, I mean, I remember watching Pat Finn on The Joker's Wild thinking that those glasses made him look kind of like a geek. Kind of like a short geek. To my surprise, I found out how tall he actually is, but we'll get to that. You know what he looked like? He looked like The Rock on that one episode of SNL where he played Superman as Clark Kent. Yes. He did look like that. Hey, Clark, how's that story coming over there? Oh, it's coming along fine, Mr. White. Uh, oh, and uh, how long do you think it's going to be, Superman? Well, after I make a few cuts, uh, uh, uh that is, is Superman here? Because <laughs> I'm not super... Mm. And actually, if you watch any other show that he's done, he actually, without glasses, looks, I don't want to say normal or decent, but he doesn't come across as dorky. He looks presentable. Yeah, the people at uh, Shop Till You Drop and wherever else made him look much better. Yeah, so thank you, Stone Stanley. But yeah, Pat Ben was your host. This was his first game show, and the producers did everything they could to ensure that he succeed in the role. Because if he succeeds, then the show succeeds. Because this seems to be... I don't want to say gimmick-centric, but there's a whole lot of the host's involvement in this. They put him out to be the next Alex Trebek, right down to the glasses that made him look smart. So how did the Joker's Wild work? At well, least- hold on. I have an idea of how it worked. Of course, as we all know, Joker's Wild is a game of categories. And you pull a lever, and you get a certain categories in Jokers, and you pick the category for whatever dollar amount. Right? Surely they'd go to this format, right? It's a proven format. It's proven. It works. We've seen a combined 13 seasons of this format. So, I'm going to let Pat explain how the game works. The Joker's Wild is a game of definitions. I'll give our contestants a word, a phrase, a person, or a place, and then they'll tell me what it means. What? Uh, Oh, wait. Stop it. Stop it right there. 
that's where all of a sudden you lost me because that first line is where you lost me. The Joker's Wild is a game of definitions. Really? Well, maybe just that version of the Joker's Wild is definitions, but yeah. Well, here's the thing. Would it have anything to do with the format change of being definitions instead of questions having to do with the fact this was produced by Klein and Friends and not Barry Enright? Well, Jack Barry Productions did have a hand in it, if only to uh, secure the format deal. I'm guessing the estate owns the format. Yeah. Okay. Which is why at the end it's credited to uh, Klein and Friends and Jack Berry Productions. Because ultimately the estate of Jack Berry owns the format. Until the estate of Jack Berry sold all of their formats to Sony. Well, also, Richard Klein, he spent many years uh, with Berry and Enright. So he knows he, he his name is in the credits of the joker's wild for years and years and years he knows the original format wasn't a, a game of definitions so i just wonder if you know they just mixed it up for the sake of mixing it up because they thought oh the old game from you know 1986 by 1986 it was a boring game it was a slow game so let's revive it with a little twist yeah, let's spruce it up for the 90s. Yeah, it's like the 70s and 80s. It was boring, slow, and it ended much too quickly. In the 90s, we needed to be fast-paced. We needed to be upbeat. We needed to be action-packed. We needed to be high drama. Did we need to be high drama? Yeah. Sure. You know what? High drama wouldn't hurt. Let's just say that. I think the technology definitely helped having a, a digital machine versus uh, a manual slide operated machine. Uh, if you look at the show in, again, 84, 85, 86, you can see it's a relic compared to other shows on TV. Look at Jeopardy. Even in 1984, you've got 30 monitors and you've got neon and you've got this futuristic sounding theme and sound effects and whatnot. And Joker's Wild is still sort of stuck in, like, 1978 at that point. Even Tic-Tac-Doe, which this show is paired with in some markets, looked more current than the Joker's Wild. I mean, you had, like you said, computerized monitors, and then you have the Joker machine, which was basically three gigantic slide projectors run on three gigantic Viewmaster reels. Viewmaster reels, or were they slides, uh, like a, a carousel of uh, slides with a slide projector? I, I, Viewmaster, I don't think, could be that random. Okay, so, yeah, I'd, I'd say it was more of a slide projector sort of thing. But, yeah, the technology is, it is stereoscope technology, and it looked old. In 1990, you needed something new. So you got three industry-grade big-screen monitors, and running off of each one is a Commodore Amiga, if my memory serves. Yeah, because that would have been, like, top of the line at the time, the Commodore Amiga. And the Joker machine in 1990 was 
pretty darn impressive. Oh yeah, it, still is in 2022 as far as I'm concerned. It was impressive for the time, but if we're talking about the uh, Joker machine that uh, aired on the latest version of the show. Oh, the TBS in, version with Snoop Dogg, T- yeah. With Snoop Dogg, with uh, a bunch of uh, LED screens. That's impressive. But yeah, back to 1990, where we have a host who is capable and a machine that is pretty impressive. But what about the game itself? We do have to talk about the whole the Joker's Wild is a Game of Definitions thing. Because rather than have categories on each of the Joker machine's wheels, we have dollar amounts. And instead of two players, we have three. Okay, we gotta make it high-tech, we gotta make it fast-paced. Okay, makes sense. And we have to make it competitive. So we start out with a toss-up definition for control of the Joker machine. And in round one is a general knowledge round. The money you spun on the Joker machine would be how much each definition is worth. If you get up to $500, the round ends, and the two highest scores go on to the second round. Now, on the last wheel is a Joker. If you spun a Joker, that triples the amount on the other two wheels, but you only get 15 seconds to rattle off as many questions as you can. What? Yeah. So, you only have a Joker in the last reel. Only in the last reel. But like I said, first person to 500 ends the round, and that person and whoever's in second place goes on to the second round. Where the money goes up on the wheels, in fact, round one's wheels have, I want to say, $5 to $50. Yeah, it sounds about right. Round two has $10 to $75. And again, on the last wheel, there is a Joker, which triples the amount on the other two wheels. In round two, you have a choice of two categories. Also on the third wheel is opponent's choice, which gives your opponent the choice between said two categories. The first person to reach $2,000 or more wins the game, keeps the money, and goes to the bonus round. In the bonus round, you have 60 seconds to guess as many words as you can, all starting with the same letter. Pat would give up to three definitions for that same word. For every answer you give correctly, That gives you a spin on the Joker machine. The object was to match three prizes. There were trips, furniture, electronics, cash money ranging from 500 to 2,000, and also Jokers. The Joker is wild. You can turn that into any prize you want. 
and you can freeze any of the windows that you wish. And that's important because if you match three windows, you get the prize. But if you don't, the only thing you're getting is another game. And I should note, players stayed on the show until they lost. Yes. And I should note, the highest winning contest on this show was uh, Thomas Van Dyke, who won 13 games and won $55,562 in cash and prizes. One note, the person who defeated Thomas Van Dyke was Daryl Garrison, who had previously appeared on Sale of the Century in 1989 and was also on the Meredith version of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. So that's not a bad amount. For, no, it's not a bad amount. For about, what, almost three weeks? Yep. Oh, yeah, and there's one more thing. The Joker's jackpot. If you spin Joker, Joker, Joker in one spin, you win a progressive cash jackpot that starts at $5,000 and increases by $500 every time it is not won. And that's basically what sold the show. They aired the show, and suffice it to say, it did not do well. No, it did not. In fact, I was looking on fandom.com for research before this show started, and oh, this show bombed so hard in so many markets. Like, for example, on KSTW in Seattle, they dropped it after six weeks on the air on October 15th in favor of Love Connection. WDAF in Kansas City dropped it after three months in December of 1990 and replaced it with the first half of Highway to Heaven. WHEC in Rochester dropped it after 26 weeks on March 8th in favor of the first half of Geraldo Rivera's talk show. WJBK in Detroit dropped it after seven weeks on October 22nd, 1990 in favor of Hard Copy. And WCNC in Charlotte replaced it from its 9 a.m. time slot on January 7, 1991 to 2.30 a.m. and replaced it with Growing Pains reruns. So yeah, this show just was already a loser from the time it premiered to the point where stations were like, no, we don't want to bother with this. Hey, Greg. What? I'll add one more. Before the show, Greg mentioned uh, my local station, WJW, uh, and he actually said it went from 4 in the afternoon to 10 in the morning to uh, eventually uh, the dead of night. And I didn't know this because anytime I saw it back in the day, it was at 10 in the morning, and I realized... It was because I was playing high school football at the time, so I wouldn't get home till 5, 5.30, 6 o'clock at night. But doing a little bit of research, uh, the Joker's Wild in 1990, it moved uh, from 4 in the afternoon to 10 in the morning on October 29th. So that's a month and a half. Not good. No. And I know in New York, in the city, it aired here on WNBC. I don't know what time it aired here on WNBC. 
I know at this time WNBC would have been airing the Challengers here at like around seven seven thirty, as I remember watching the Challengers on WNBC, and it also aired as part of the Long Island market on WLIG Channel fifty five, which of course now is WLNY TV fifty five, which of course is an independent station now owned by CBS. But yeah, this. Just did not do well. And so what were Klein and Friends going to do to repair the damage? Well, we'll find out right after this quick commercial break. After these messages, we'll be right back. Annie M. Annie M. I must have been dreaming. It was horrible. We were on Saturdays. Andy, you were there. The log lady was there. And the man from another place was there, too. Saturdays. That is a bad dream. Ooh. Diane, Thursdays at 9, 8 central. There's no place like home. Look out tomorrow. Here comes party The road to excitement now leads to this. A special touring edition of the Grand Prix Sports Sedan. It's V6 power, fuel injected quick. It's optional anti-lock braking, sure and precise. Look out tomorrow. It's feel undeniably Pontiac. Grand Prix STE. Make sure there's something extra special under the Christmas tree for that dainty little girl or dapper little boy with a present from Little Red Wagon, the store where you always find the perfect shoes and clothes for your children. Top names children's shoes from Eastland, Nickelodeon, Jumping Jack, and Little Capizio, and the smartest looks in children's clothes by Eagle Eye, Mouse Feathers, Simi, and more. Whatever you're looking for, it's all at the Little Red Wagon at Western and 34th in the Mako Shopping Center. This holiday, you can give the most radical gift. Excellent! Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the movie. Now on video cassette for just $24.99. Plus, coupons good for $20 worth of free food and Pepsi at Pizza Hut. On the next Golden Girls. Rose got lucky. Not so lucky. The man in your bed is dead. Rose is dying of shame. You mean I slept with a dead man last night? Honey, I sleep with him all the time. And when she finds out he was married. What did I say to her? That he died in the bed of an idiot. Mom. He lied to her. I don't know why they do that. Don't they know we'll sleep with him anyway? Life isn't a bed of roses on the next Golden Girls. Welcome back from those commercials. And guys, just remember, Rose banged a guy to death. <laughs> hey, <laughs> Dashel Driscoll's a very special episode. If you know, you know. Hey guys, that sounds like my third date off a of grinder. I banged a guy to death. <laughs> Whammy. Again, I don't want to know about... What made you think I wanted to know that? Why did we want to know this? It was just a coincidence. I wanted to bring it up. I took his money, too. His dead money. Whammy, that's like... No, that's not cool. You stole a dead guy's money? That's my job. (laughs) Going on. Going on. Moving on. Okay, so this format, it stinks. It stinks. This whole dollars format, no one likes it. So what do they do, Chico? 
Okay. They go back to the drawing board, took what worked with the original Joker's Wilds format, and they applied it to the definitions format, as described by Pat Finn on the top of select shows that introduced this new format. Basically put, there are categories on each of the wheels, and the Joker can appear in all three windows. The Jokers were wild. The player in control could match it up with any of the categories shown, but they could not go off the board. The values were determined by how many of that category appeared. Singles were worth $25 per definition. Doubles were worth $50 per definition. And a triple was worth $100. If any person spun three Jokers, that would give them $250 and a choice of three categories for $100 a clue. Hey, hold on. Question, question. Yes, sir. Then really, the Joker isn't that wild if you're being limited to picking a certain category. And also, again, as you said, if you got three Jokers, yeah, you want a bonus, but then you get the choice of three pre-selected categories behind each of those Jokers. That's not wild. Now, I'm sorry, if I get three Jokers and the categories that come up are, just for example, you know, religion and U.S. history and whatever else, something that's not one of my strengths... I don't want to play those stupid categories. I want to play sports or I want to play television. That's not wild. It's three-fifths wild. Seriously. You know what I have to say to that if this was a video podcast? Insert Yankees thumbs down guy here. And all three of us are doing that. But in this version, it took $1,000 to end the round instead of 500 Round two played out the same way with the player who first reaches $2,000 winning the right to play the bonus round. By the way, did we mention that the record for the uh, Joker's jackpot was $36,000? The highest Joker's jackpot ever won was thirty-six. dollars thousand dollars yeah did any of this help the ratings chuck testa nope yeah by the time they decided to switch formats to the new categories format the damage was already done and even with a week of just the original joker's wild format with the money amounts on the wheels instead of the categories nothing could be done And on March 8th, stations were just content to let it go. It was not sold at the trades for a second season. There was no attempts to market it. There was not a home version. Game Tech did not make it available for the Nintendo Entertainment System. And Pressman and Milton Bradley were not interested in the home game rights. Doing some accidental research like a couple weeks ago, I found that as late as July of 1991, 
KYW Channel 3 in Philadelphia, which is now a CBS affiliate. Back then, it was an NBC affiliate in 91. It was airing The Joker's Wild at 3.30 a.m. Whoa. 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 For the entire run? I don't know if it was for the entire run, but I know in July of 91, it was airing as late as 3.30, so. Well, yeah. Uh, And again, we talked about this before the, uh, the show, but here in Cleveland, as we mentioned earlier, it went from four in the afternoon to 10 in the morning. And then ultimately it moved to the dead of night. I think it was like 1.30 in the morning. And it only moved there after WJW got rid of Tic-Tac-Doe uh, in 1990 and the Quiz Kids Challenge. And those were buried at 4 and 4.30 respectively from the start, from the jump. So that got a big time shaft, dead of night. Now, I did some accidental research for this episode, and games were allowed to straddle if there were not time in the 30 minutes of one show to finish that game. So they go ahead and move it on to the next game in progress. There were moments where they brought back the audience game. And you remember the audience game, which was a staple in the Jack Barry slash Bill Cullen version, where you had audience players playing for money or people at home playing for money. This had an audience member play for cash on the Joker machine, but only in situations where a game ended sooner than expected and there was not time to start another one. An audience member at a time was chosen to spin the machine up to three times under the same rules as the bonus round. They won $100 for getting three of the same prize or three Jokers. If they did not get any prize, they would win a Joker's Wild t-shirt. Oh, that's nice. A Joker's Wild t-shirt. That's what I want to win for my, like, Two minutes of television. A t-shirt. Hey, Greg, you say that now. Oh, but on eBay, it's going to be worth like $200 in 30 years. That's what I'm saying. Yes. But you know what? Unlike on the Late Night with David Letterman segment, Ask Mr. Melman, you're not given at least two t-shirts from Bob Rudy. Oh, by the way, there was one thing that we did not mention about the Joker machine. By this time, it would have been six years since the death of Jack Barry. The Joker machine was dedicated to Jack Barry with a memorial plaque right below wheel number two, right in the middle. So if you were ever watching the show and wondered what that little shiny thingamajigger was on the bottom of wheel two, that was the memorial plaque. Oh, okay. But I should note, this version of the Joker's Wild lived on for a couple of years because it aired in reruns on the USA Network. I think it aired for like a good two, three years in uh, reruns on USA. Yeah, it aired for a, for a good two or three years in reruns on USA. I think it was one of the first game shows to go as USA was phasing out its game show lineup, which would end with just the hour of 
press your luck and scrabble. But, hey, let's not feel too bad for Pat Finn because he would later on in 1981 land the show he's best known for. Yes, do not cry for Pat Finn's career. He found his calling a year and a half later with the premiere on Lifetime of Shop Till You Drop, a game that blended fast-paced trivia with crazy stunts. Yes, we thought it was kind of silly when it first aired, but now, given the benefit of time and aging, it's silly in a good way. It's silly in a good way. And you know what's surprising? I'm surprised, like, Pluto TV or, like, Freebie, like, doesn't air this. Because this would be, like, gold on, like, a channel rerunning old stuff, like, 24-7. Oh, yeah. I'm surprised uh, Pluto doesn't add it to its game show lineup. Uh, The shop till you drop. (laughs) Lord knows they have the episodes for it. Yeah, between the three versions, the uh, oh, yeah. lifet- the Lifetime version, the Family Channel version, the PAX version. And you know something else? Because everything in the 90s is new again. How come they don't reboot? Actually, I know why they don't reboot Shop Till You Drop. Because, come on, it's 2022. Who goes to a mall anymore? Yeah, it would be like centered around the internet, I guess. Yeah. But also, if I could just say one thing, and this is something I've said for a long time now, the Joker's Wild in 1990 wasn't a bad show. I mean, it worked on paper. It had all of the elements of a really good show. Pat Finn was a decent host. The show was very slickly produced. The competition was fast-paced. There was only one thing, in my opinion, that was wrong with this show. It was called The Joker's Wild. And with that came an expectation. But here's the thing. If they had not done the dollar format from the beginning, and they just went with categories from the start, no one would have cared. Maybe people would have bitched about the definitions, but let's be honest. If they had just gone with categories and definitions from the beginning, no one would have a problem with this. I don't even think people would have had a problem with definitions. I mean, half the clues on Jeopardy nowadays are definitions. Yeah, basically, that's what it now is. Mike, your thoughts on this? I agree with what you said. Give it another name. Maybe it works out. Maybe, but I think with the name The Joker's Wild, you do expect a certain uh, bill of goods. And that bill of goods just really wasn't here, or at least it wasn't here until the categories came, and by that time, the damage was done. Yeah, the affiliates were dropping it, moving it to the depth slot early in the morning, or just dropping it outright for other shows. Yep. And this problem wasn't limited to just the Joker's Wild. 1990 was a bad year for game shows overall. Yeah, it pretty much 
was probably what spelled trouble for the genre, at least for most of the decade until Millionaire came along in 99. Or even earlier, Ben Stein's Money in 97. Yeah, I guess so. But yeah, The Joker's Wild, 90, not a bad show. But it was called The Joker's Wild. If you have a show called The Joker's Wild, you expect to see The Joker's Wild. Not a random call-and-response quiz show with a slot machine attached to it. Give the Barry Brothers and Richard S. Klein all the credit in the world for trying, but in the end, Joker's Wild 1990, it was just a thing on TV. So, I guess we're going to cash out of this slot machine, so while we go to the cashier's cage, why don't you check out it was a thing on TV.com where we have over 400 episodes worth of content for you to peruse. That's our episodes, our mini-sodes, our live shows. And of course, we're also available wherever fine podcasts can be streamed. Don't forget, like, subscribe, rate, and review. Five stars only, because positive vibes only. And don't forget, if you are on YouTube, don't forget to like, subscribe, Smash that notification bell so you can stay up to date with all of our future entries, including the two we have scheduled for next week. Hold on. No, no, wait. We don't have two. We don't have have two. We have three. We have three. Yeah. We were going to do this episode this week, but we decided to hold it to next week. But as I said last week, 333. Three, three, three. Threes. And that's all the hints you're going to get. We gave more hints last week. Go back to episode 330, uh, the Magruder and Loud episode, and maybe the hints uh, not as uh, subtle. Maybe it's a little more out there. But yeah, those threes, they have a ton of relevance next week. Yes. But our second episode, now we were originally going to do this over the summer, but we had to push it back because we had to do the Norman Lear 100th birthday celebration. But we put it in because Christmas season, people are shopping for this sort of thing. Now, Mike, this thing we're going to be talking about, the company that made it is celebrating its 50th anniversary this year. Well, Greg... You're absolutely right. Just celebrate its 50th anniversary, and within the last month or so, month and a half, they released a compilation, an amazing compilation. Seriously, I don't want to give it away, but you definitely, if you are a big video game fan, spend the 40 or $50 for this because it's worth every single penny. I love it. It may be game of the year material, not even joking, even though... A lot of the stuff is from 35, 40 plus years ago. Yes, but for this subject, we've got a lot of great stuff lined up along with some celebrity appearances, including, not going to spoil it, but an appearance from maybe one potential show Hall of Famer. And that's all I'm going to say, but the third episode... Now, guys, three years ago, on Christmas Eve, 
we introduced you to a man that lives in our hearts. And who is that man? Charles Stiles, Mystery Diners. That's right. We are going to return to the world of Mystery Diners. And we're going to pick five of our favorite episodes that we didn't cover last time. And we're going to watch and laugh at the absurdities on Charles Stiles Mystery Diners as it's Mystery Diners Part 2 or Mystery Diners Part Duh. We can't promise any drones, though. We can't promise any drones, but there is some shenanigans with a camera. Isn't there always shenanigans with a camera? But you're not going to believe what happens with this one particular camera, Chico. You're not going to believe what happens. Isn't that right, Corky? You won't believe what happened. Why did we not start using that clip earlier? Oh, my gosh. You know, Corky, you've only been on this show for, like, what, two, three weeks now? And you're already providing us gold. Susan, what are your thoughts about Corky? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. That's my response whenever we set him up for we won't believe what happens. You know who really enjoys these references, Greg, to Corky? Who? Oh, gosh. Thanks for listening. Please be kind to each other. And until our next thing on TV, bye. <laughs> wow! The Junkers Wild is a Klein and Friends production in association with Jack Berry Productions.